Welcome. You are listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we will simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. My name is Amber Jordan, and I am here with Dr. Michael David Morales, a.k.a. Mo. How's it going today, Mo? Doing really well. It's good. Uh, it's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, tell us what is the show going to be all about? Well, uh, we've actually subtitled this show um, the Not So Random Leadership Podcast because uh, it seems that um, most of the things I do in life, uh, I guess, seem pretty random, but maybe they're not. Um, because I was going to call it uh, the Random Leadership Podcast because um, it's going to be about all things leadership. Uh, you know, everywhere you go. Um, you know, every person you encounter, every experience you have is pretty much a product from uh, the leadership or lack thereof. Um, so we're going to be covering all sorts of seemingly random uh, topics. Uh, but really what we want to do is help connect uh, leadership and really connect the leadership dots. Yeah, well, because if there's anything I've learned about you in the short time that we've known each other is that you're a pretty intentional guy. Like everything you do is intentional. So the topics we cover might seem random, but you didn't just randomly stumble upon leadership. Like you've been intentional <laughs> about your leadership journey, right? Yeah, that's that's completely right for sure. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, how how did you get started in the leadership journey? Well that's uh that's a great question. And probably uh, like I usually talk about, um, you know, I talk about like every pastor, right? Um, everything's got uh, three, three points, uh, five points, whatever. But I would say there's different ways of understanding. And the first thing that you want to understand uh, as a leader is you want to understand the different types of leaders. And I've been on the leadership journey pretty much all of my life in one form or another. And uh, I've met a lot of incredible men and women who have taught me a ton of stuff. And really, I'd have to really go back over 20 years, um, as you can see the the gray in my beard here. Uh, but let me pre preface anything and everything that uh, you and I are going to talk about. And as we as as we have guests on the show, um, that as I've as as you found out, actually, right, really fast, there's a couple of names that continue to surface in our conversations, and I'll review um, some of those right now. Um, but the first person that I wanted to talk about is a guy named John Maxwell. And you may or may not heard of John Maxwell, but if you haven't, um, that's the name you got to kind of put at the top of your list. And John Maxwell is probably one of the most well-known, if not the most well-known leadership gurus of our time. And in fact, um, I read his first book, uh, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, <laughs> when it first came out uh, over 20 years ago. And I love the book so much that um, I started to become affectionately referred to by my own youth staff at the time as a disciple of Maxwell. <laughs> and although I probably should have taken offense to it um, because they were totally making fun of me uh, and rightly so, um, I was actually a little bit flattered because that's how much I believe in the stuff that he talks about. And of course, the second person that everybody on the show is going to hear me talk about is my mentor, the man who brought me to Christ, uh, Kevin Cobb. And Kevin's investment in my life, uh, coupled with reading uh, those books by John Maxwell and other uh, men and women over those uh, first years, is really where the leadership journey became real 
and intentional for for me. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, yes, John Maxwell and Kevin Cobb are definitely a part of our regular conversation. Um, well, I haven't met either of them. <laughs> <They're>, I'm familiar <laughs> with them. <laughs> so, well, don't okay, worry. So you, you, you have, have, you've met, uh, you're going to meet Kevin for sure. And uh, yeah, hopefully okay. one day both you and I will meet John Maxwell. So. Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to be starstruck with both. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> So, okay, so that's how you got started, but what have you done to continue on the journey? Yeah, I, I think um, after you understand the different kinds of leaders, you really need to um, understand the leadership lens. And what Kevin taught me early on is that if I wanted to become a leader, I had to focus on a couple of actions. Kevin was all about actions. You know, what are the actions you're going to take? Um, and we're not going to necessarily go into all of them. Right now, but we will over the many episodes that we're going to um, But he always told me that leaders did two actions really well. And the first is this. They created leaders. So leaders create leaders. Secondly, leaders create teams. Um, however, um, it, it, it didn't matter what a leader did, what his or her job was all of the time or, or what they were doing, but they had to be intentional. And this meant that um, – there's nothing out there to be intentional. So once you decide to become a leader, your unintentional, your non-intentional days are over. And it, it sounds exactly what it's meant to be. Meaning um, at that point, I, I never just hung out with people anymore just to hang out. Um, whether I was shooting hoops with the guys or, or stopping by um, a meeting for some of my uh, um, junior high uh, girls with their leaders, um, if they were having you know some kind of get together, um, or if I met the whole group as a whole, um, boys and girls uh, together, um, it wasn't just about spending time with people. It was about investing into others. And if it sounds exhausting, um, it can be uh, for, for certain, uh, for certain um, personality types. Um, for some, it's exhilarating. But either way, leaders need to thrive on that kind of stuff. So I guess my first question for the audience today, uh, right, Amber, as we always talk about, there's there's going to be a ton of questions. And the first question for our audience today would be, how do you feel um, about the intentionality in your time with others? Are you putting intentional time into others? Yeah, well, I like that you ask, how do you feel about putting intentional time and not just are you doing it? Because I think sometimes we, you know, we've all been around those leaders where they're seemingly doing the right thing, but it feels like they don't really want to, or their heart's not really in it. Or, you know, any of us aspiring to be leaders, sometimes you have to do things that you don't feel like doing. But the question of how do you feel about it is really important. But I'm guessing if you're asking, how do you feel about it, then there's a way in which you have to address your feelings and decide, okay, if if I don't feel like it, how do I get to the place where I feel like it? How, and so how does somebody become intentional about shifting their feelings and wanting to be intentional with people? Yeah, I really think that's, that that's again a great question um and uh for our audience amber asks great questions uh now and um she always demands answers from me and, and and i love that uh but this is this is what i could say is is the third piece of understanding um which is we need to understand as leaders we need to understand 
next level thinking. And you may or may not have heard that term before. Uh, I've been talking about it for years now with one of my uh, good buddies, but there's something called next level thinking. And again, I wish I could be credited for the phrase, uh, but it really comes from Dr. Lemusista, who will be uh, on our podcast probably pretty regularly talking about um, identity and, and all sorts of other um, parts of leadership, but um, we'll have him on, on pretty soon. Um, but I mentioned this because he told me um, years ago um, that we as leaders need to engage in next level thinking. And so that's kind of what we were all about. We just didn't want to scratch the surface of leadership. We wanted to move to the next level. And most people try to make uh, ministry, business, or, or, or anything for that matter um, into something more complicated than it really needs to be. What I'm saying is leadership is not complicated. It's simple. But that doesn't mean it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's simple. Um, so although it's simple, it's not easy. It can be very hard. It can be very difficult, especially in the beginning stages when you're trying to figure out your own intentionality, uh, your own influence on people. But yes, in reality, it's very hard. And I meet so many people in positions of authority and influence um, that aren't leaders at all, unfortunately. Um, although, of course, um, you know, they would like to think that they are. Um, but in most cases, they're probably just poor managers at best. Um, and so the next level thinking piece would be um, how do people understand the difference between not just management, but really moving into leadership and then next level thinking within that that leadership. And so I guess to put it in one simple sentence by John Maxwell, shocking, right? Is a statement that I live by day in and day out. And I teach all of uh, the men and women uh, that I coach in life coaching and in uh, coaching and sport um, is that here, here it is. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Like you said, sounds simple, but simple is not always easy, which brings us to our actual topic today of starting out the right way, which I think even just hearing that sentence or, you know, it's inspiring. Like, okay, I want to do this, but starting out the right way is really important. So, you know, as, as most of you know and realize this last year has been the absolute worst first year and everyone's like yay we made it to december we're almost there and, but everyone's hoping and wishing that this new year is going to be so much better if we can just get to the new year it, everything will be great but again going back to being intentional how do we know it's going to be great and what can we do to set us up for this new year, or even for some people, it may be a whole new season of life, or really, I'm going to start out on this leadership journey. So what does starting the right way look like? Yeah, well, um, there's so many things that we uh, can and will discuss uh, that I think are essential to starting out the right way. And uh, even better, keeping you going the right way once you've started or begun the journey or whatever part of the journey, um, or as Kevin likes to call, uh, call it whatever season of life that you're in. Um, but for the sake of today's conversation, I think um, we can really sum it up 
by answering a couple questions. And the first question uh, is, do you have a plan? Uh, and the second is, do you have what it takes? And so let's take the first question. Do you have a plan? Uh, it sounds kind of dumb, stupid, menial, but but do you have a plan? Uh, I mean, I'm not just talking about an idea or a wish, but an actual plan because Amber, most people don't have a plan. Right, well, okay, that's probably true. Probably even 2019, it would be true that most people didn't have a plan. But after 2020, like we learned that even if you have a plan, <laughs> It didn't matter because nothing was going to go as planned anyway. So I, I wonder if even moving into this next year, fewer people have a plan than they would have before. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, there's a great quote by Mike Tyson, and he says, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and would it, wouldn't that sum up 2020, right? Everybody had a plan for 2020. Like you came to the to December of 2019, a, a year ago today, December 4th or whatever it was, and you said, man, I'm going to take 2020 by the horns. That's my year. Uh, we're, we're moving into, um, some of the, you know, like into the new decade and, and it's going to be great. And then now you see people walking around with those shirts with the five stars on it. And there's, and it says, 2020, zero stars, would not recommend, right? So, I mean, yes, for sure. Um, but even even having a plan, um, it can be a little bit, uh, it can be a little bit daunting because it's like, well, Mo, you just told me to have a plan, but now you're telling me if I have a plan, I'm just going to get punched in the mouth. Well, yes, but that, that doesn't mean that you're off the hook because Amber, really, that's what people do is they say, well, I'm not going to make a plan because I'm just going to get punched in the mouth. Well, no, no, no. Um, we have to have a plan um, because by having a plan, um, then you can have the best chance of making it happen. And that's what true leaders do. And so for the next year, do you have a plan? John Wooden says this. Uh, and if, for those who don't know who John Wooden is, John Wooden was um, arguably uh, the greatest coach of all time, but he's definitely um, probably the greatest college basketball coach of all time. Uh, 10 championships in 12 years at UCLA basketball. And, um, uh, just did things so well. But he used to say this to the young men that he coached. He said, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Let me, let, let me say it again. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Okay. So I'm convinced <laughs> I need a plan. But how do you make a plan? Yeah. Man, let, let me just tell you that that's where the rubber meets the road, right? And and that's what it, what's always been really difficult. But really, the first step in making a plan is setting goals. And I know some of you out there, you're like, man, I take the enneagram and I'm a seven, and and I'm a, I'm a free spirit, and and I you know you know setting goals doesn't work for me. And all right, I, I've I've heard it, I've heard it. I know you're unique you know, for you people who are in enneagram uh, type four. You're unique. Nobody understands you. I get it. But leaders, 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 you must set goals. See, you have to decide where you're going. What is the goal? Where do you want to end up? On December 31st, 2021, where do you want to be? In order to make a plan, um, uh, you have to put these things together on paper, right? One of my coaches once told me, 
Um, dreams don't become goals until you put them on paper. And, and if I could just tell a quick uh, uh, funny story about, about Michael Phelps is that um, most of us know who Michael Phelps is. And, and one of one of the things that I, I get to do is is coach young men and women uh, in swimming. And Michael Phelps, of course, is like the greatest Olympian of all time. Right. Because he won eight gold medals and nobody's ever done that. Mark Spitz did it back in the 80s, back in the old days. Uh, he won seven gold medals and everybody was like, man, nobody's going to be able to do this. And then Michael Phelps comes along. And what did he do? He wrote down his goals. And he had him on a piece of paper that he said he kept by his nightstand. And in fact, he even shared those goals, Amber, with people that started to interview him when he was on his way. He, he hadn't achieved the goal yet wow. um, of, of that were on, on the paper. Um, but he had all of his goals set out. And he even discussed some of those. But he always had one goal that he said, Nobody knows this goal, but I've written it down and I know it. And my coach at that, at that time, uh, uh, Bob, uh, Bob Bowen, he knew it as well. And it doesn't matter if nobody else knows it, except for maybe you and one or a couple or a few close people, it was still a goal. It was on paper and he knew he was either going to reach that goal or not reach that goal. And here's the funny thing about it, Amber. We still don't know as far as I know. Um, I haven't seen that he's actually shared that that goal. Maybe he has in some – I mean, we know the goal probably was eight gold medals to break the Mark Spitz record. But really, that, that, that doesn't even really matter. What matters is that he wrote it down. He knew what he was going to do. He was either going to succeed or he was going to fail. But, Amber, he set the goal. So the question is, are you setting the goals? Where do you want to end up? Well, okay, so I'll tell you, I am brilliant at setting the goal <laughs> of setting goals. Like my goal every year is I'm going to set goals and I set them and then I can say, yes, I have accomplished my first goal of actually setting goals. I exactly. start yes. them. I even start them. <laughs> but it's looking back at the end of each year going, ugh. I, how many of these did I actually complete? It's never as many as I had hoped. But also I look at back at my goals and think these were so random. So how does somebody know what, like how do you know what you want to set or not want to set? Like how do you know which to choose? Yeah. Well, effective goal setting is, is really going to come down to asking yourself, more questions, right? You know, it, and and I know you love to hear it. It's always about more questions, more questions, um, but Somebody not just give me some answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, she really needs some Tylenol because uh, it, it it makes your head hurt, doesn't it? Um, yeah. But really, Amber, what we uh, deal with in our times together in our leadership discussions is we talk about the tough questions, and you have to set aside time to really reflect and be honest with yourself about two things. And the first is this, what's the new stuff? What new stuff have I been meaning to do um, that I'm actually going to actually not just be meaning to do anymore, but I'm actually going to commit to doing in 2021? <laughs> All the stuff that you were going to do in 2020, but you said, oh, it's 2020. I'm on lockdown now. I can't do anything. Well, I guess I'm, I'm just going to have to sit here and, and thank the Lord for Uber Eats because now I can sustain <laughs> Now I can sustain life and 
of, oh, well, I guess I don't got to go to the gym anymore because the gyms are closed. I mean, you know, all hey, these hey, kind hey, of things. Don't share my secrets. Oh, oh was, 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 was that, see, I, Amber, see, I didn't even know your goals. Like, that's probably my fault as a leader, right? Um, because I should know these things. But, I mean, but even when I just say that, you can resonate with it, right? Yeah. We can all resonate with that kind of stuff. What were the things in 2020 that we were meaning to, I mean, we had really good, you had really good intentions for your goals in 2020, right, Amber? Yeah, I did. So did I. And then all of a sudden 2020 hits and, and zero stars would not recommend. And you're like, well, I, you know what? I, I just need some time off. 2021 is going to be my year, right? Well, well, good. 2021 is going to be your year. So what's, what's the new stuff? What do you, what do you need to put in front of you? to um, actually accomplish. And the second thing is this, after the, the, the new stuff, you want to think about the old stuff as well. Um, and you could think about that, you know, you could change it, you could do the old stuff first and then the new stuff, but the old stuff is this. What old stuff or what stuff that already exists have I been doing? And here, here's one of my favorite things right, right here, Amber, and, and this is this is taboo. Most people um, don't don't wanna talk about this, but what are the things that you need to quit? One of my favorite author, uh, authors, a guy named uh, Bob Goff, uh, wrote several books, and um, you can pick up uh, his books and, and learn a ton of stuff. And he's just so he's so good. His videos are great. Um, but he said that he tries to quit something. I think I think in his new book he says he tries to quit something every Thursday, <laughs> which I'm like. If you quit everything, because he, he wants to start new things, right? So what yeah. we do is we just keep doing things. Uh, but he said, uh, some of us need to quit some stuff. So what do you need to quit doing? And, um, you know, there's some things that we know we need to quit. I know a lot of people, it's like, oh, I'm going to quit smoking. And, and uh, you know, well, how long has that been going? Well, I, the first time I said it was 1983, I was going to quit smoking. But no, this, this is the year. Well, maybe it is the year, you know, that that's something old. That's something that, that you've been meaning to do. Uh, maybe you've got a relationship that you need to to get away from, and that and that's the one something you say. You know, what, I just need to get rid of this relationship, or I need to change it. Um, but what do you need to quit? What do you need to quit? Because as Bob Goff says, most of us need to learn how to quit the things that we need to quit and be free from them, so that it doesn't bring us down and bring negative connotation to the rest of our lives. Wow, that's so good. Which is probably why most of us don't spend time, or not most of us, because I'm doing what you're telling me to do, <laughs> but why yeah. other people don't yeah. spend time reflecting and thinking about it. Because once you get to the point where you decide, this is what I know I want to do and should do, this is what I want to start, and this is what I need to quit, then you're responsible and accountable to do it, which is why we don't sit down and make a plan or why, you know, maybe we make the plan, but it takes us a long time because there's, there's something that is like the killer of our progress, which is procrastination, right? Yes. And procrastination is one of the killers of being an effective leader and a person of influence. You see, there's there's uh, principles from one of my, uh, again, one of my favorite books, uh, and it, the book is called Eat That Frog, um, and it's about killing cr procrastination, it's about ending procrastination, it's about quitting procrastination in your life, and the book is all about exactly what the title is, which um, I think was Mark Twain that said it, he said, 
Um, if you know that you have to eat a frog every day, right? If you just, I mean, you've got to eat it. So if you don't, if you don't eat it, what are you thinking about all day? You're thinking about eating a frog because there's probably nothing worse than actually having to eat a frog, right? So <laughs> if you get up in the morning and you eat that frog, if you do the first things first, don't set it aside. Then you free yourself up mentally, physically to go forth and not procrastinate and get things done. Yeah, or like every parent tells their kids, just eat your vegetables first so that you can enjoy the rest of your dinner. But so many aspiring leaders, they're sitting at the table staring at the cold vegetables long before everyone else is already excused from the table and they're just sitting, they're stuck. Which brings us to our second question. The first one was, do you have a plan? But the second question is, do you have what it takes? Right. And and this right here, do you have what it takes is, is a multifaceted question, uh, really, because the, the question is, do you have what it takes? But what it refers to is both the internal and the external component. Do you have what it takes internally? Meaning, do you have the perseverance uh, and the grit? Um, and do you have what it takes externally, which is the accountability structure and really, you know, the things that you're reading? So, so let, let, let me go go back real fast here um, and say, do you have what it takes um, internally? Are you a person of perseverance and grit? Are, are you somebody who is going to continue to work when you don't want to work? Uh, because one of my coaches told me, and of course, we've all heard this probably, so my coach didn't, didn't uh, make it up, nor did I. But one of my coaches said, Mo, you need to do the things that others won't do so that you can have the things that others won't have. Mm. And that really stuck with me because I thought, you know, again, I grew up playing sports and and really uh, I've been a swimmer my whole life and I still consider myself a swimmer. I just have a few more pounds uh, on me nowadays now that I'm in my forties. But I always remember going to swim practice on Saturday morning, 6 a.m. And I hated it. I did not want to be there. All my friends were sleeping in. Because we were all at the football game on Friday night, and I remember my mom would say, "Well, you got to be in by, um, you know." And back in the days, I always had to be home by 10 p.m. Um, later on, my younger brother didn't have to be home until 12 a.m. And that—that yeah, still isn't it always like that? Yeah, I'm like, always a baby, <laughs> killing me, killing me. And you know, but I had to be home because my mom would say, "You know, you have swim practice tomorrow morning." Um, and even sometimes I would have swim meets on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings. Um, but did I have parents? Um, and secondly, you know, did I have the grit? And Angela Duckworth um, wrote a great book on grit. And pretty much she said, there's a lot of people that have talent. But a lot of people will not put, whether they have the talent or not, will not put the work in. And the reason why um, talent isn't, she says talent isn't enough. And the reason talent isn't enough is because you can be the most talented person in the world. But if you don't practice, you're not going to get better and somebody's going to end up putting in the work to pass you up. That's why, again, Michael Phelps was so great is because he wasn't just the perfect specimen of a human to be a swimmer. You know, uh, when you have size 13 feet, um, you pretty much have fins. Right. But um, what do you do with 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 that? What do you do with those things? So my question for you is, do you have what it takes internally? Um, whatever your talent level on a scale of one, one to 10, if you're, if you're talent, if you're more talented than everybody, great, get out there and do it. 
Um, and if you don't, um, then it looks like you're going to have to work harder. But what Angela Duckworth says is um, you do know that uh, you can always put in uh, the work. So um, do you have what it takes internally? But second, Amber, is do well, you have what it takes? Let me ask you a question sure. about that first, if I can. Well, because you're talking about when you say perseverance, you have to have perseverance. You're not saying you need to persevere, like you need to do this action. You're talking about it, like it sounds like you're talking about it like a quality of you have to have this quality or this characteristic of perseverance. So how does somebody assess, do I have that internally? And if not, how do I get it? How do you grow that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, um, if I could, again, use Michael Phelps as a, um, as, as a, a, a case study. Um, and I think most of us who have been in sport uh, or uh, maybe it was something like uh, ballet or piano lessons or something, where does your perseverance come from? Does it come for you, from you or does it come from your parents who are paying $100 a month for you to go take those lessons, right? Uh, I know you have daughters, right? And so your daughters are probably in extracurricular activities. I know um, they play sport and uh, some of them play music and things like that. Well, who's paying for that? Are they paying for that? No. No, you're paying for that. And so where does their perseverance come from? When they don't want to go, where does that come from? Because mom mom. wants to hear you play Bon Jovi. That's why. (laughs) And that's always, see, that's always the drive. Everything comes back to (laughs) 80s music, right? And right. that's really what it's about, because, uh, in fact, we need a podcast to talk about um, uh, the, uh, the the bringing back youth group for, for those of us in our 40s. Right. Um, yes. yes. And, uh, and so, yeah, but but really, I think perseverance is something um, that is taught. Um, and so um, some of some of us have had parents that were uh, making sure that we do those things. Well, Mo, what if I don't have a parent who is helping you with, well, you might be a little bit behind the curve, but that doesn't mean that you can't have it. And so um, again, Amber, I think what you're asking is perseverance in the abstract. And yeah, it is it, it it is a quality um, that you can have had taught to you, but maybe you didn't have it. But I'm telling you this, if you want to be a leader, you need to get that. So you need to be around people who are good at persevering. You need to be uh, hanging out people um, who tell you what you need to do. Let me share this with you. Um, When I was growing up with with Kevin, uh, he taught me perseverance and leadership. And I remember I didn't like most of the things that he told me. Why? Because he was right. And I wanted to take (laughs) shortcuts I just wanted to get it done. And he would say, no, Mo, we need to go back and we need to, we need to grind this out. We need to, to do the things that are, are, again, we need to do the things that others won't do so that we can have in ministry and in, in, in what we're doing that others are not going to have. So really, um, I wish I could answer that question, Amber, um, directly, but I think really like most of the things, um, right? Most of the things in leadership that are, that are worth anything are in the abstract. Um, and I would say that you need to, to find people who can do the perseverance thing well, if you don't do it well. Yeah. Well, which is going to lead us to our second kind of part of that is, do you have what it takes externally? And I know you're going to talk about accountability structures, but that's part of that's part of this leadership journey that you and I have been on in in the kind of the coaching leadership 
which is what you do, it is that what I, you were able to identify things that I needed to add to my leadership toolkit, if you will. And so then by us continuing to meet and talk and do the things that you're about to talk about, that began to build from the external pressure, I'm going to call it, um, the external inspiration. <laughs> it began to build within me more internally, but it took the external opportunity to help create the internal. So tell us a little bit more about what it takes externally. Yeah, I can't say enough, Amber, about the accountability structure, right? And, and the first thing that we really talked about, uh, and this was like years ago, um, can you believe we've actually been meeting for years now? Um, years ago, um, one of the first questions that I asked you was, who are the men and women who are speaking into your life? Uh, because I'm like, I talk to myself every day. <laughs> And I think that's that's what we needed to do is have other people speak into your life rather than just the little, you know, person, you know, in your in yeah. your ear. And yeah. so once we established, you know, finding those other 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 women uh, specifically in your life, um, how life changing has that been? I mean, uh, hopefully we can have some of them uh, on the show just to really talk about their journeys. But but these are uh, women and, and men of of just wisdom and uh, those who have who have taken the journey, and the reason again why I spent time with Kevin is because um, he was where I wanted to be. And I remember he would ask me, he would say, "You know, Mo, who do you want to be? Continue to hang out with those people. That's why I hang out with Lem. That's why I hang out with my boy Jonesy. That's why I hang out with uh, Kevin. You know, um, uh, Rick Givens. You know, these people that that are the the voices, the stalwarts, the accountability structure in my life." because they're the ones that keep me on the right track. And they're the ones that are the coaches now that say, well, you need to persevere. You need to have grit. You need to do that internal stuff, but they're the external structure. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that kind of gives a little bit more understanding about the accountability structure piece. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So what else, what else can we do? I would say that there, there's one other important piece to that. I mean, there, again, there's, there's a lot, um, but one of the other parts of that would be, your reading list. And I'm about to say something that is going to make everybody really upset. So I want you to listen yeah. to it because I'm going to say it and I mean it. And you might think I'm wrong, but I'm telling you, I'm not. And here it is. <laughs> if you haven't read anything in the last two weeks, nothing you have to say is worth beans. Leaders are readers. All leaders are readers. Now, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. Amber, Kevin taught me, Mo, if you are not reading, then you've got nothing new to learn. And I don't care if you're watching stuff on YouTube and and, and you're, you know, I, I, Mo, I've just gone, I just binge watched my third series. Yeah, I, I do that too. You know, um, I, I, I'm binge watching a couple. Um, I'm a Seinfeld guy. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, Amber is a Grey's Anatomy fanatic. Um, I don't get it, but she says it's like the most wonderful uh, leadership inspiring show ever. Great. Right. But, but within that, you know, what we really need to focus on are, um, you know, the mentors and people speaking into our life. Those are people who have written books. This, and we've, we've all heard this. The, there is no secret to success. 
The secret to success has been written in every book that's ever been made. Anybody who's ever been successful has written a book. And if they haven't written a book, there's been books written about them. Did you know that Warren Buffett has never written an autobiography? He's never, yeah. uh, there's no book that he um, authorizes to be the autobiography of his life. How many books have been written about him? A ton. We know everything there is to know about Warren Buffett and the way he does things. And, and he bought his first piece of land when he was like 11 years old or whatever. And, and well, that's a secret of success. We've learned it. There is no secret that the secret is, is on paper. So all leaders are readers. I, I don't care who you are. Um, and Amber, what's one of the first things I asked you? I asked Amber, what are the five books that you have either read recently, recently, not 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 The Hobbit in in junior year English, you know, in high school. What are the five books that you have and are reading right now? Because yeah. those authors are going to influence you. And Amber, those 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 authors. Are going to influence you this year? Yeah, I, I, I remember when we sat down and you said, um, you well, you emailed me. <laughs> we, we sat down and you said, okay, we're going to read some books. I'm like, okay, like I like reading, and you know, I would have said then, like I like reading leadership books. Um, mo they were mostly self help books, <laughs> but I thought they were self leadership. Maybe we'll call them. But then you sent me this email and the email was titled Mo's top 50. And you said, we're going to read these together. And I thought 50, like, how, does this guy not know I have a life? Like, how am I going to read 50 books? And then you said, well, actually there's like 80 plus on the list. I just haven't changed the title. And I was like, what? And it's continued to grow <laughs> in the last few years. And so, but I just was like, how am I ever going to find time to read all of these books. I'm busy doing things, life and ministry and family, and I, I don't have time, which now seems ridiculous because how do I not have time to take in wisdom and knowledge to do life more effectively and to be a better influence of people? Like it doesn't make any sense now, but it made a lot of sense then of I, I can't squeeze in more books. But what I will say is that even by starting to read them, like there was a noticeable change in how I did life. People started to notice and ask questions and they saw it in a way that I didn't even see it because you start to read and then you realize I'm doing everything wrong. It feels like, but, but all of a sudden it became like a re it really was a resource of information when somebody would say, Hey, I've got this problem. I don't know how to do it. I could say, I don't know for sure, but here's what so-and-so said. This is what they would say about that kind of situation. And it ended up being, it was kind of top of mind now because I was reading every single day. But I remember you asking me, have you read, um, I think you asked me, have you read Good to Great? And I'm like, oh yeah, I read that book. You're like, what's it about? About being great. <laughs> Here, <laughs> read it again. <laughs> And so it wasn't just a matter of me reading. It really was the sitting down and going through, talk to me about what you read, what stood out, how does that apply to what you're doing? And again, that comes back to the accountability piece. Like we can read on our own and we should be reading on our own, but you can't get away from having someone or multiple someone's in your life to dialogue and process those things through. Cause that just helps it go from 
you know, maybe this knowledge, this head knowledge I took in to really, I, I own this and this is who I want to be in my different leadership roles. So that was key, but it was horrendously terrifying <laughs> when you said, this <laughs> is always your is. new life. <laughs> it always yeah. is. And it doesn't matter, you know, I mean, we've all got excuses, right? But um, again, one of my, uh, one of my mentors uh, who speaks into my life says, uh, Mo, you're your excuses are also your reasons. Um, so we've all got, uh, we've all got reasons. We've all got excuses. Um, but it's the way that we look at things. And so I I think, um, for those who want to start out right in 2021, you can't just say, well, I'm going to read five books this year. You have got to put those five books in your queue and say, here they are. I don't know if you're a physical book person, if you're a, 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 a digital book person, um, but you need you need to do that. So let, let me put you on the spot right now, Amber. Um, what? How many books do you want to read in 2021? Um, and give me give me the name of one of those books, not necessarily the next one, but just one of them. So um, what would be the answers to, to both those questions for you? Yeah, well, Okay, I'll say I did in 2020, I did not reach my goal. Uh, I was going to do 26 books. I am going to end up because we got a few more days here left in the year. I'm going to end up at 22, which is way different than what I would have done before. But yeah, I, I really in 2021, I want to hit the goal of 26 books. Um, and well, I've got a lot to plug away on, on our list, um, but I think I, Visioneering by Andy Stanley is one of the ones that we've um, we've talked a lot about, but I haven't actually read the book yet. So that is definitely one on my list for next year. Yeah, definitely. And um, if I could just, you know, say, and really I, I did just, you know, kind of put Amber on the spot here, but um, if, I, if I were to ask you how many books you had read up to that point before you started last year, it, you probably in your whole life hadn't read 22 books on right <laughs> together, like, you know, for, for the first umpteen years of your life. But now it's, it's something that you want to do. And, you know, what, yeah. whatever it is um, for you out there listening, you, you got to make the goal. Maybe, maybe you've never read a book. Hey, start with a book. And, um, uh, you know, once you do that one, great, you got it under your belt and then do another one. So maybe the next year it's two books or whatever it is, but you have to be reading. <clears throat> I mean, you, you you have to hear me on this. All leaders are readers and, and, and it's like beating a dead horse. But every time I, I meet with people, it, it's, what are you reading? When I meet with Kevin, he always asks me, what are you reading? But, but here's the thing. I always make sure that I ask Kevin, my mentor, what he's reading because mm. I, I add those to my list. And, and I, I have books that I think I'm going to read next year that are already getting bumped because when somebody tells me, Mo, have you read this book? I, I, I probably hear that once a day. Mo, have you read this book? A lot of times it's, yeah, but um, there's so many people writing now. I would say a good amount of the time it's, I haven't read that. And then I always say, is it worth reading? And sometimes mm-hmm. they say, nah. Sometimes they say, man, you got to read this thing. And if, if they do, I say, okay, I'll put it on my list. And I do. Yeah. That's great. Well, as usual, we've gone over the time that we thought we were going to do in this podcast because we both like to talk. But that so it brings us to the end of really our first episode. But do you have any final thoughts for us? Yeah, I do. I would say um, wherever you're at in the leadership journey um, out there, just take the next step. 
um, you need to make sure that you are putting in the time because nobody cares about uh, your journey uh, as much as you do. Um, sometimes you can have mentors in your life, um, like I had you know, with Kevin Cobb, just kind of pounding on me and, and seeing potential. And whether you have somebody like that or, or, or uh, an accountability structure to do that, you know, put it put in the time, you know, and, and remember, you, you want to understand your leadership uh, lens. You need to start viewing things with the lens of a leader. Everything that you see needs to be seen through the lens of leadership. Um, and really, um, what does it mean for you to have next level thinking uh, in, in your life? And, um, you know, when you start doing those things, Amber, uh, I, I think all of us can say um, the growth starts happening and then you start to crave and want it more. So, um, you know, you can do it out there. I, I, I know that um, it's difficult. Uh, it's, it's difficult. It's right. It's not easy. Um, but really, my hope our hope on this podcast, on uh, this video cast would be um, that we help you simplify the leadership journey going forth. Well, that's so good. So everybody, we have come to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on this learn leadership journey together. You can also find us at risingtideleadership.com. So don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. We'll see you next week.